0: You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Well, next week we'll begin our series uh, leading up to Easter. And we've got nice little uh, booklets from the national office. So you'll be able to enjoy a devotional uh, that will be going along with the, the themes that we'll be looking at this year. So today... I hope to get through Colossians. No promises, but I'm hoping. Colossians chapter 4 in the Passion Translation. The interesting thing about Colossians, it's such a rich letter. Colossians and Ephesians have so much overlap in, in its content that you you think that those letters were probably to be inter-exchanged. They were to be uh, shared one church with another church as as oftentimes Paul's letters were. And so when, when you think of Colossians and you just look at the wonderful things that Paul's writing and stuff like that, it's like, how in the world did this man ever compose such things? Well, I know doctrinally we're gonna say through the Holy Spirit and, da, 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 and all that, God breathed, inspired, it's his word. And that's all true, but he was in prison. And oftentimes when you're jailed, you're in prison, You're able to think deeply about things. And so the richness of of every time Paul was in prison, we received the benefit of him being in a jail cell by his heart capturing with the Spirit the very heart of the Father towards us as his children. And I think that's why these, these short little letters are so powerful they were written at a time of captivity, a time of bondage. But yet he was not bound. He was totally free. And so when I look at that, I just just get so excited. Sometimes when I'm reading Colossians, I, I just forget it. it's a prison epistle. You know, I, 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 you get to the end of it and it says, remember my chains. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, that's right. He's, he's in jail when he wrote this. And he, he wants us to remember his chains. He was saying that to the people because he was encouraged them to pray for him like we saw last week, pray for me. And uh, that was an admonition. And, and as they were praying, they were praying and remembering his chains. Lord, bring liberty. Bring liberty to Paul. Free him from, from the imprisonment that, that he's currently in. And so it's, it's really amazing that as he's writing this letter and he's he's given such incredible insights into the love of God, uh, the intimacy, he gets to the final parts and he does what we do in practical letters. We say, oh, by the way, Deb says, I love you. And uh, Rick says, I love you. And Marcus, he, he, he just wants you to know he's roaring for Jesus. And, and, you know, you, you can trust him because he just loves Jesus with a childlike faith. And, and so you get all these little tidbits at the end of the letter. And I, I want us to look at those uh, this morning and see what the, the Holy Spirit might speak to our hearts. Colossians chapter 4, we begin at verse 7 in the Passion Translation. Now let me tell you about what is happening with me. I sent Titicus to you so that he could find out how you're doing in your journey of faith and bring comfort and encouragement to your hearts. He comes with my recommendation for he is a beloved brother in Christ, a faithful servant of the gospel and my ministry partner in our master Yahweh's work. Wow. I'm going to call him Tyke. For just make, you know, he needs a nickname, Tyke. And so here's Tyke and and, and we see these incredible things. The, the purpose is Paul is sending Tyke to, to them, to the church at Colossae so that he can let them know how Paul's doing. Let him know what's going on with the captivity. But also, also Paul wants Tyke to come back to him. He wants to know how they're doing. He wants them to go and to really ascertain how's it going, how's your journey in the faith going? <clears throat> now that's good to have somebody that asks you. You know, look, look to a neighbor and just say, you know, how's your journey in the faith going? <laughs> How's you know, this is, this is something that's really important for every believer. Doesn't matter if you're a, a well seasoned saint and have been walking for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, or like Jim, forever, Ancient of Days. You know, if, if you've just been walking with, with Christ forever, you know, that's great. But you still need to have somebody come around and say, How are you doing in your journey of faith? You know, how are you doing in this journey? That we're on. We always do. Now, you know, my, my roots are Methodist. John Wesley was the master of this kind of stuff. When, when he would have his filled preaching and there would be converts and all of that, he would gather them and he'd put them in small groups on Wednesday. They would be called a class meeting, okay, a little Methodist history here for you today. And in the class meetings, they met on Wednesdays. Being a circuit rider and as he'd go around, he'd come and the question that everyone would be asked would be this. They'd go around the circle and say, how is it with your soul? Whoa. Hmm. Wednesday happened to be the day that they would fast as well. Good Methodists always fasted on Wednesdays. They'd fast on Wednesday and they'd know that class meeting was ready to come up, and there would be that time when they would get together and their leader would go around and ask, How is it with your soul? How are you doing? How's your walk with Christ? Why do you think that's important? <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Because then your focus would be on the Lord. Okay. Yeah? Why would it be more important today? Yeah. And the convenience of all this information. Yeah. The busyness of life, you, you just get going, and what's the enemy trying to do? He's always trying to put something between you and intimacy with God. Something between you and the Father, something between you and the Son, something between you and the Holy Spirit. He's constantly trying to bring little blockades. And this the midweek service was ingenious, I thought. John Wesley had it, he had it right. You know, to, to meet and say, okay, it's been three days since last time we gathered a corporate body. How is it with your soul? How is it? Are you growing? Or is it difficult? Did you have a death in the family? Or are you grieving? What's going on? Uh, have you suffered some kind of uh, defeat? Have you, had a, have you had a setback? Have you had a relapse? You know, what's going on? And it's never to shame. It's for the authentic purpose of praying and loving and encouraging one another to continue. And that's the way, that's the way Tyke was sent to the Church of Colossae. He says, uh, we we always have a need for an inquiry. There's something really good about healthy accountability. It's not like, well, did you screw up this week? You know, that's not the question. However, sometimes we may have screwed up that week and it's okay to to be honest about where we are. But it's not to just hold us accountability for our problems. It's to hold us accountable to how are we flourishing? How are we prospering? We, we do it around here. We like to have testimonies. We like to hear what God's doing. What has God done in, in and through you this week? What's going on? How is he making an impact? How is the gospel a part of your minute-by-minute, hour-by-hour, day-by-day, week-by-week existence? What difference does it make that Jesus is in you and that you are in Jesus The enemy doesn't want us to remember that one. So he kind of tries to, he says, I'm I'm sending Tyke to you so that he may bring comfort and encouragement to your hearts. Hmm. It's not so that he can shame you into a more guilt-ridden performance-based Christianity. He's been sent to bring comfort to you and encouragement to your hearts. Paul, oh, so good. Yes. You really, really have experienced the love of Jesus, haven't you? You want to send your emissary to go forth for you to inquire how the people are, but also to encourage them and bring comfort to them. And that's the, the, real, that's the heart of, of prophecy. That's the heart of the word of the Lord. The Lord wants to talk to us and meet with us to bring comfort and encouragement more than he oftentimes does correction and discipline. Now, we'll take whatever he wants because even his correction and discipline comes out of his heart of love. It's never a shaming or a condemning, but we have come to realize 90% of the time that the Lord speaks to us he wants to tell us something that's going to encourage us, something that's going to inspire us, something that's going to have an impact on us and cause us once again to just be undone and overwhelmed with a God who loves us so extravagantly. He lavishes his love upon us. Whew. I love that. Oh yeah. So who needs comfort today? Anybody need comfort? Anybody need encouragement? Okay, a few of you need comfort and encouragement. That's good, that's good. Then it would make sense that we make inquiries, doesn't it? And then when we make an inquiry, that we pray, that we bless, that we encourage one another. So that's Typhicus, and thank God for someone like him who was a a partner in the ministry, a faithful servant of the gospel, and a beloved brother in Christ, A faithful one. Then he goes on in verse 12. Let's look at 12 and 13. Epaphras, who is also from Colossae, hey, we got your homie here. Your homie's being sent back to you, sends his loving greetings. I can tell you that he's a true servant of Christ who always labors and intercedes for you. His prayers are filled with requests to God that you would grow and mature, standing complete and perfect in the beauty of God's plans for your lives. Epaphras has such great zeal and passion for you and for those who are at Laodicea and from the Hierapolis. Wow. So, your native town brother sends his loving greeting. And I'm sending him to you too. (laughs) He always labors and intercedes for you. Now, do you have anybody that always labors and intercedes for you? That would be good to have, wouldn't it? Your spouse your mother your grandmother your grandmother's grandmother <laughs> sometimes you you have you have some of the saints who have prayed for the generations that will follow and they prayed and they prayed and they labored in prayer for you and they're filled with <laughs> zeal i love that let's go for it and and so there's great zeal and passion that epaphras has and His prayers for you, he's always praying. He's petitioning God that you would grow and mature. Help him grow. Help him mature. Help him grow. Help him mature. Now, you only pray that until you hit 60. Because once you hit 60, you've arrived. No. The the always laboring, the passionate zeal in intercession and petition in behalf of others never has an age limit. It never stops. It continues and it continues and it continues and it continues. I shared with you uh, a prophetic word that I received that just blasted my heart to no end. when, when, When they told me, that I was going to be uh, given a, a bigger pot. A bigger pot. As a plant, I was going to be planted in a bigger pot. Now I like that. Man, I can feel my roots just kind of spreading out now. It's like, this is, this is good. Get those roots going down deep into the richness of the soil, and let's see what kind of fruit this season's going to bear. Yeah, bigger pucks. People that pray for you is like gold. And gold in the currency of heaven is faith. People who pray for you are exercising a faith in God to do something in your life that we'll be eternally thankful for and grateful. It's going to be fun when we get up to heaven and we, however all that works, if we, if we get insights into all the prayers that went for us that we didn't even know people were praying. I don't know how many times I prayed for you guys and you don't know it. Other well, than you think, yeah, he's, a, he's my pastor, so he's got to pray for me. My friend Lloyd used to say, yeah, you get paid to be good. I'm good for nothing. And so, you know, as, as, as I think of that, having, having all those prayers that we don't even know about and the people that are passionate and zealous about intercession. Uh, that's why when Linda came after Patty had passed, the first assignment that I gave my dear sister was raise up intercessors. Because we took a huge hit when, when Patty graduated to heaven. We lost an intercessor uh, that was just so powerful. And so Linda has gathered the ladies. And uh, they have gathered and they pray every, two, or every Thursday. And uh, we'll never know all the effectual prayers of those righteous women. It avails much. It's producing a lot. And I, I hope as we look at Epaphras and we look at his life and as we look as Paul's writing to the church at Colossae and he's talking about one of their own that, that's there and how he's faithfully served them, that it encourage us to take on more of a role of an intercessor in the kingdom of God. That we realize that there are people who are hurting and are aching and the enemy is trying to put in the crosshairs of destruction that we need to be interceding for. For their health, for their well-being, for their relationships, for their mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Let's take that seriously. They're filled with requests, those petitions that they would grow and mature, standing complete and perfect in the beauty of God's plan Mm. I like to use purpose, God's purpose. He plans for us to live purposefully, for His purpose is to come to pass in our lives. A lot of times, when we when we pray and we get caught into the plan of God, it's like this is God's plan A, and if we screw up too many times, we have to settle for plan B, and if we screw up too many times, we got to go down to plan C. And for some of us, we're, we're just so far down, we don't know if it's plan Z or double Z or where we are in the plan. That's the problem with plans. God has a purpose for you that will never, never, never be quenched. His purpose for you is not dependent upon your perfect obedience for plan A. His purpose for you, he can get and work regardless of how obedient you've been, he knows how to bring us to himself in a way that we finally come and we find ourselves in him, and we say, "Oh, this is what you've created me for." That's why a lot of a lot of the times when I was prison, when I was doing prison ministry as I was going through seminary. I saw so many people fulfilling the purpose of God even in their incarceration. Their lack of freedom in the country did not limit and restrict the purposes of God in their life. And uh, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. That God is a God of purpose and he has a purpose for all of us. And so they were praying that they would would be complete and that they would come into the fullness of the purpose that God has for them. Lord, raise up more intercessors who who will pray for your purposes to come to pass in each one of our lives as you lead. In the NIV, it says that they would stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Hmm. I like that. And so Epaphras was a man of great zeal and passion. May we be people of great zeal and passion. And the last one we're going to look at is Archippus. Be sure you give Archippus this message. Okay, now he's writing to the church at Colossae and there's someone, this person called Archippus that needs a specific message that Paul is giving to the church to make sure they get to this person. Be faithful to complete the ministry you receive from our Lord Jesus and don't give in to your problems until they yield the victory God intends for you to have. Wow. Wow. Is that a mouthful? That is good. As we look at, at prayer, we look at intercession, we look at encouragement, we look at bringing comfort. As you look at all these little things at the end of this little letter, we find that once again, it's, it's an admonition to be faithful to complete what's been started. The ministry that you receive from the Lord Jesus and don't give in to your problems until they yield the victory God intends for you to have. It sounds like he's implying that our problems are supposed to, to work in a, in a positive way for us a positive way for us to move from the difficulty of the problem into seeing God somehow use that in us and through us to where there's victory. There's there's a success. Either we've grown, we've matured, uh, we've developed, or we've learned how to appropriate heaven's resources into a situation and release the power of God that needs to come to transform the situation that we're in. Regardless of whatever the problem is, it's designed to make us victorious. So don't give in to it. Now you just stop. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you you show all of us in a very practical way a problem that the enemy's using to try to get us to quit Something that you want us to persevere in until we see the victory. Mm-hmm. I heard Graham Cook the other day, he's writing in his email and on video. And he says, you know, you, you've heard the teaching that for every letter as we progress in our development and our growth in the kingdom, for every level, a new devil. And, and the thought was, as we contend at this level and we get victorious over this devil, we move up to the next level. And when we get to the next level, the implication is there's going to be a stronger devil that we get to fight with and we have to duke it out and then we get up to the next level and we Now I find that thought to be counterproductive to growth. Who wants to fight a bigger, tougher, meaner devil than the one you're fighting right now? Can I see your hands? <laughs> Does anybody? Anybody just says, oh, I can't wait till we get up to the principality and power. And, we, and No, we, no we're, we're not wired that way. Now, there may be some truth in, in that teaching, but the problem with that teaching is it causes a lot of us to settle to where we are victorious over the little minion that has been sent against us. And dibdolls were going after minions and beyond. They love the minions, but not those demonic minions. <laughs> so, So the encouragement is that, yes, let's stay with the problem. Let's not just focus on the demon. Let's stay with our problem and persevere until it works victory in our lives. Let's not be afraid to move to the next level of maturation because this is what this end of the letter and all the content that goes before in the first three chapters are just filled with truth about the resources that we have. That we can absolutely do this in Christ. And so let it be an encouragement. Don't let the higher levels, higher devils. Don't let that stuff mess with you. Let's, let's go and let's live and whatever problems we encounter tomorrow, let's persevere in them until they work victory, till we see the victory of God in and through them. Okay? Make sense? All hearts clear? Everybody ready to tear it up? Yeah. Problems are opportunities for us to partner with the Holy Spirit and see the redemptive purposes of God come to pass. And so, Holy Spirit, I invite you now to come and to partner with each and every one of us. Give us a connectedness to you that we hear, we see, we smell, we're aware of how the enemy is trying to use something against us to get us to a a, a position of just ceasing and not persevering. We want to be faithful to complete the ministry that we've received from you, Lord Jesus. And we don't want to give in to our problems until they have yielded the victory that you intend for us to have. Hmm. Now look into your heart and, and speak to your heart and say every problem that has come against you, the Lord intends for you to have victory over. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast.